You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Today, the Padres get ready to wrap up their latest series against the Rockies here at Petco. And we've got Mike Janella hosting the program. Off the hook for bringing in any donuts to the show today because one, it's a night game. And two, last week's performance. I don't bring donuts? Yeah, right, I don't bring donuts. Oh, Look oh, at yeah, this, right. guys. Uh-huh. Now, there I know go. the secret to this, though. <laughs> Those were brought in yesterday by a Bill, fan. you're blowing up my spot. Right. Alongside Mike, it's Bill Center, here to provide some unpredictable excitement to the program. He's at it again. He's lost his mind. And rounding out the crew, it's our self-proclaimed ace, Derek Togerson. He's supposed to be your stopper. He's supposed to be the big gun in your rotation. Doesn't matter who else you bring in, you've downgraded your entire rotation. Now, coming to you from the AMR studio inside the Western Metal Supply Company building, it's Padre Social Hour with your hosts, Mike Janella, Bill Center, and Derek Togerson. Happy Sunday, Sunday evening. Welcome to Padre Social Hour with the big gun, Derek Togerson. We've got Phil Center. big gun. Evidently, that's the new nickname there for you, huh? Right there. Put him away, Derek. No <laughs> one, pop, no pop, one I've got, I've got a license for these. Don't worry about it. Pop no one gun. needs to see that. What's that? <laughs> pop gun. Yeah, not top. Pop. Pop. Yeah, let's be yeah. clear with that. How's it going? Welcome to Padre Social Hour. It is a Sunday evening edition. We don't get too many of those. Uh, there was the marathon here in town earlier today, right. hence the first pitch being pushed back. Uh, maybe that'll help because the Padres are 0-8 on Sundays this year. So maybe a nighttime game on a Sunday will get them in the win column today. And then we'd have to move all Sunday starts back to 6 Take W's however you can get them. And looking yeah. for a sweep of the Rockies last night was fun as well. 6-2 and two against Colorado this year. I wonder if the Rockies feel about the Padres like the Padres feel about the Giants no. this year. You don't think so? I don't think anybody no. can feel about the Giants. I mean, 6-2 and two <laughs> against the team in the cellar. You can't be happy with that if you're Colorado. We saw Arenado the other night. He wasn't happy at all. Right. No, but I'd be pissed off too. Actually, I think the Padres are a better ball club than the Rockies. So I Despite what the standings say. I, absolutely. I th- I. The Rockies have a lot of holes. Their pitching is just terrible. And um, where they play makes it hard to win, too. And I just I don't think they're a very good ball club. You, see this, you see this every year with the Rockies, too. They start off well, and right. then they have a May malaise, and then a full-blown June swoon, and then they're out of it, and they're selling off their pieces by the All-Star break. So, I mean, the Padres are they're in last. They're 12 and a half games out right, right. now. You t- are they better than the Diamondbacks, too? I don't know. I, on paper, I don't know if they're better than the Diamondbacks, but I think they are on paper better than the Rockies. They've got a better skipper than the Diamondbacks, I'll tell you that. I, I, don't oh. even, I don't even know if Andy Green would tell you that. That's his mentor. That's his, that's his guy. Wow, Derek, yeah. reach for it there. Interesting. No, I'll, 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 I'll take the Pepsi challenge with that. I'll take, that's I'll take that's not a thing we do on this uh, no. show here, Derek. <laughs> uh, Eleven and a half games out after, actually, after uh, last night's game. Uh, we'll talk about that here in a second. But first, I uh, want to remind you to jump in on any conversation we're having today using hashtag PadresSH or jumping in at the live chat happening at Padres.com slash social hour. Uh, we're going to talk uh, a little bit more now that the dust has settled a day after the James Shields trade. Get your guys' thoughts on that because I'm sure you have plenty of them. Uh, we talked a lot of Muhammad Ali yesterday. I would be remiss if I didn't allow you, Bill, someone who has a history with the sport, to let us know your thoughts a little bit later on. And, Derek, you've actually met the champ, so we're going to hear your story there. And then also there's a feud brewing online last night between Bill and Blooper, and we're going to get yeah. down to the bottom of that. Check out the tale of that hey, tape. All I'll say in advance is, I know body fat. What a tease. If that doesn't keep you around, I don't know what will. 
Um, first, let's get to last <laughs> night's game, and we're going to go right to the heroes of the game. Return of the Quack. Quackenbush was back. He throws an inning and a third, and then Fernando Rodney finally shooting an arrow. I forgot even that he did the thing with Will Myers afterwards because I hadn't seen it in so long. First time since May 11th. In, in, crazy. So to see them both last night, they are our heroes of the game, and they combine, as I mentioned, an inning and a third each, five strikeouts. There were some jams they had to work out of. But they were able to, in a one-run game, hold this thing down. And the bullpen has been uh, part of this team that has just been a complete uh, disaster lately. And finally, being able yesterday to put the nerves aside and see those guys deliver when they really hadn't been lately, that's got to be super encouraging. Right, although Maurer really struggled again. I mean, two-thirds of an inning. Right. Do you guys trust him at all anymore? Because for me, I see him come out now, and it's, I used to think, hey, fireball are coming out. Now I think it's, fi- it's gas on the fire. Well, Relievers are cyclical. They, they have ups and downs. And I think Maurer right now is really struggling with a lot of things. Command, his first, I mean, hitters are just laying on his first pitch and just tearing it apart. Uh, I think he's a lot better than this. We've seen better than this before. I think it'll work out later in the year where he's back to his norm. But right now, he is not very good. Now, on Friday, Andy Green told us that he was going to start using guys, and Bill, you were there for this as well, right. using guys in different roles in the bullpen. We saw that last night when he had Maurer on the mound, gives up a hit, gets a strikeout. Now you have Charlie Blackman coming in, tough left-handed hitter. Before, I think Andy would have let him get in there and try and get out of that jam with two outs. Instead, he brings in Fernando Robin. Right. He brings in his closer for the four-out save. So we're starting to see now maybe, maybe Andy doesn't want to – either he doesn't have the confidence in Maurer to finish that out or he doesn't want to give Maurer another opportunity to ding his own confidence. But he did do exactly what he said he was going to do. And I think even if, other- if Bookter had not pitched the night before, he would have right. been in there. Not Bookter's now the setup guy if he's available. And the fill-in closer, Andy Green just said today. If Rodney's ever unavailable, he's the next guy in line. With the way he's thrown this year, you can see why. Yeah, no, I mean, why not? He said the one blip, which we saw, but he wasn't going to be scoreless forever, so you can't blame him. Let's talk about the bullpen fix uh, in just a second, but again, a shout-out to uh, Rodney and Quackenbush, who comes back from AAA and really is able to deliver. And it was a tough spot for him last night, too. There was some fire to put out there. So uh, good job by Quack. They are the hero of the game. Hero of the game brought to you by the Hero Program, a new way to upgrade your home to save energy and water. Visit HeroProgram.com to learn more. All right, so Rodney's the closer. Bookter's right behind him. Now you've got a whole bunch of other arms. You've got Maurer, who's trying to figure everything out. Villanueva, you never know what you're going to get out of him. Uh, guys coming back from injury. Uh, Quackenbush back from uh, the stint in the minors. Thornton is back. You've got John Edwards on the path. Buddy Bauman, who will be a bit of a long man, Andy Green said. Brad Hand, Luis Perdomo, all these names. You can only really count on two of them so far, like we've mentioned. How do you arrange this bullpen moving forward? Well, I think right now you're, you're going to go with your hot hands in the seventh and the eighth. No matter who they are. Right. So uh, right now, Bookter's the, Bookter's the say, setup guy, and, and the way that uh, Quackenbush pitched right now and the fact that there's not really another strong element out there, I would imagine it's he or hand in the uh, seventh inning spot, maybe Maurer too. But I, isn't I it important for these guys to know what role they're going to have and not no. just have the hot hand? No, because they don't no. have to find roles right now. I think what he's going to have to be is kind of playing off with Bill. So it's going to have to be matchup based, right. not just maybe who your hot hand is. But okay, you got a lefty here. You go get me Thornton or get me uh, you know Bookter if he's available later in the game. Do you have you have a, a right-handed hitter? Okay, who's been throwing the ball better? Is it Quackenbush or is it you know Villanueva? Villanueva, I think, is a guy, veteran guy. He's going to figure things out and he'll be better than he's shown and more consistent than he's shown. But it's going to he have to be. 
hopes so. He's the he guy that we He would, hasn't uh, been terrible, but he has But last been, year he was great, right. and this year he's not been right. as advertised. He's not right. right. Lights out. But it's going to have to be, you know, who do I think can get this guy out right now? More Less roles and more matchups. See, we've had Bob Scanlon on the show say the complete opposite before, that the guys out there, they like knowing they like I'm going to be the sixth inning guy. I'll be the seventh <laughs> inning guy. Like it, Doing the matchups, they that they haven't on these guys. Right. They haven't earned it right now. They haven't earned that eighth inning spot. They haven't earned that seventh inning spot. When somebody comes out and lays claim and yanks that spot and puts a, a stranglehold on it and gets it, great, let them have it. Right now, nobody's earned that, that right to say that except for Fernando Rodney. What if that's the reason that these well, guys Buckter, have been struggling? Buckter. Because they don't know when they do come in. Yeah. Bookers earned the right to be the. He, he has guy. now, yeah. Right. So you guys, so it's not a chicken and egg thing. You think you have to earn the role before? Oh yeah. I think having oh, yeah. the role can maybe give you some of that stability, some of that confidence. No, but to you, even in spring training, you're pitching for those roles. You're you're pitching to win them. You're not automatically in them. Uh, one thing we know for sure today, uh, the roles will be all hands on deck no matter what side of this uh, talk you're on, because Luis Perdomo is starting his second start of the year. The last one only lasted two innings. We'll see Brad Hand. We'll see a bunch of guys tonight. So uh, with Eric Johnson not up in the rotation yet, it's going to be one of those days, one of those bullpen games well, coming after, our way. After Hand, then it becomes a lot of situational lefty-righty stuff. But until you get through Hand, the first two guys, it's going to be uh, it's a bullpen game. Yeah, yeah, Hand is ready to launch with Merlin on alert five right now. <laughs> What's that? Hand is ready to launch with Merlin on Alert 5. It's a top, top gun reference. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. I didn't know we wanted that. Uh, no, awesome, Derek. Thank you. Um, cool. Let's move on to the, uh, something else I wanted to talk about from last night. Will Myers. For the second time in this homestand in four days, I think, he comes a triple shy of the cycle. And everyone on Twitter is talking about it, and they're talking about it in the broadcast, and they're asking about it after the game. To me, well, I'm going to save my opinion because I want to hear your guys' first. I don't want to cloud your mind. The cycle. Do you like it? Do you not? It's a very interesting anomaly that you could do all four. But to me, I'd rather have a three-home run game. I'd rather have a four-home run game. I'd take three home runs over a cycle or two home runs even any time. I like the cycle simply because it is, it, it, it's fun. It adds some excitement to the game. It's fun. It's a quirky little thing you can do. Does it help you win a ball game? I haven't looked at the numbers to see if a guy who's no. what the winning percentage of a guy who cycles in a game for his team is. Two or but three home runs are much bigger than. Oh, a absolutely! Right. You got two more total bases, more runs, because it's all about generating runs, right. right? The only time you generated runs guaranteed in that is, is the when you knock yourself right. in. I think it's the dumbest thing <laughs> to get excited for. And I know last year I wasn't here for it. Last year, the excitement for Kemp having the first in franchise mm -hmm. history. The, the no-hitter, I get 100%, no matter what your franchise is, right. or a four-home run game. The cycle, the it's, just a, it's a statistical randomness. It's an, it's an it's, anomaly. It's silly. It, right. You're better having a two- or three-double game, not even a home-run game, a two- or three-double game maybe then, or a three-double game than a cycle because you're getting yourself in scoring position more often. Actually, I mean, no, you're not because... Well, three or four, yeah. You have to have more doubles than you right. would the Trip, double on the yeah, single. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, for total nice bases. Try, though. I'm not a mathematician, Phil. That's why right. you are here today. Let me do the talking. You want, you okay. want to know the total total bases between three doubles and the cycle? Six. Do you know it already? Save me the, the, the trouble of the abacus? Right. It's ten for a cycle. Okay. All right. So you'd need four doubles then. No, so you need five. Five. <laughs> That's why I stick to the words and not the numbers. <laughs> regardless. Regardless. I think the cycle is just it's, – it's dumb to get worked up over. And congrats to Will Myers for putting himself in that position. But – well, it's, it's actually, literally a, it's a fluky statistical thing. It came up last year, early in the season, when it was, it was again, Myers, who came up one hit short of a cycle. I don't remember it was. And everybody was uh, down around him saying, hey, were you excited about possibly getting the first cycle in Padres history? 
One, he didn't know there hadn't been one, and he said flat out, I'd rather have two or three homers. I, he yeah. says, I do more damage with that, two or three yeah, homers. Yeah, I mean, that's indisputable. Right. I think that plus that's just a fraction of what his night was last night. Okay, was getting the first out at third base twice was yeah, that <laughs> I was, was bad. I was ready to well, s- to strangle my okay Twitter feed fir- at that point. I was okay with the first one because he saw nobody covering and Story had to race him to the bag and you, you push it. I get it. You want to be aggressive, especially the way the offense has struggled at times this year. Not lately, but this year. The second one was just right. inexcusable. The, ball was the, yeah. Short yeah. the other one was uh, he had been looking on that bunt that he caught from the pitcher. With the runner on first, the pitcher tried to lay down the bunt, and he popped it up. Mm-hmm. Right? He should have let it drop because the pitcher, after he bunted the ball, headed back to the dugout. He had an easy double play there, which he caught the ball, and, and then Blackman hits the two-run double. Are we, uh, was there an infield flyer singled? No, there was only one on. There was one out. One out, right? One on and one out. Yeah, you got to have first and second or base loaded. Right. Are we really picking on a guy that went three for four with a run yes. and an RBI last night? Well, it's our prerogative. <laughs> and fell a triple short of the cycle. Sometimes third, third base was his issue last time. He didn't it. get the triple, yeah. and he got the uh, first. Both times third. it was the triple too. Everyone was like, "If you need, if you're missing the single, I get it, getting the excitement." But everyone's like, "He's a triple shy. That's the hardest one to get. He's right. only had two his whole career." Yeah, it's not. Good. It, I, I didn't, I didn't get the whole fervor for it yesterday. No. I just didn't, I didn't like it. Well, but what else have we really had to, to be really super excited about? I think that's one of the fun things too. Is lately when, when, a, when a team has, a been, has not been playing well, you look for things to be positive and excited about. A cycle is one of those fun things. I never think about a cycle at all yeah to me it doesn't, yeah, it wouldn't, it doesn't wake up the fan base I'm, no look at bill and i are as different as it gets in terms actually of it does wake the up the fan here. base and i don't understand why it does i mean everybody last year got excited about kemp's cycle i mean it was a big it was a big thing i think part of that too was mark grant's reaction was so classic and it was so raw and so visceral right. and so just honest well but i love the way mark he grant's reaction that. is the same for a strikeout for a margarita, the for a good sandwich. Yeah. That's uh, his reaction to anything. Uh, now, I wasn't here last year. Blooper, Bill's very anti-cycle. How did he react to the Kemp Bill, cycle last year? Bill, you were year? so giddy last year with this when Kemp got the cycle. You were so happy. I was happy he got it. I was happy there was one on the board. But if it comes down to a strategic, tactical situation, I want to have the three home runs. I don't want to have the be thinking about single, double, and triple. And, we, and, and, and it was in Colorado. I wasn't even here. You were on the show next day, and you were so happy. It was the happiest I've ever seen you. Blooper's got a memory of an elephant. Uh, hap- oh, he is an elephant. Happiest. No, I've, I've heard the legends of this. <laughs> wow. Uh, you want to get, you get to this feud now? Oh. It was a shot up. All right, we're going to set this up because this, this is great uh, to tease you guys because this only adds a layer to the Bill and Seth Blooper feud we saw the first <laughs> shot of last night. So if you missed it, we're going to catch you up. This is great. This is the happiest I've seen Bill ever since he <laughs> knocked, knocked Blooper down a peg or two. He's happier about this than he was about the Kemp cycle. Very much so, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it goes, it goes Blooper, SpongeBob, and then Kemp cycle, right? right? That's what makes Bill the happiest, I think. All right, we'll come back and uh, get down to the bottom of this feud. You don't want to miss it, pictures included. The first Way Back Wednesday postgame concert at Petco Park is coming up June 8th. That's this Wednesday after the 1240 Padres game against the Braves. Stay afterward for a live DJ set by DJ Snoopadelic. Presented by Budweiser. Get your tickets today at Padres.com slash promotions. When we come back, man, we were talking some of Ali's greatest feuds yesterday. We'll talk about those. But we got this new one brewing between Bill and Blooper. It's going to be good. You don't want to miss it. This is Padres Social Hour. Before every game, get your Padres talk on with us. This is Padres Social Hour. 
We're back here in the AMR studio. Padres Social Hour taking you up to that 6-10 first pitch. Padres and Rockies concluding the series. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention earlier, we also will be talking to uh, Scott Merkin on the phone. He's mm -hmm. the beat writer for the White Sox for MLB.com. Hear what exactly we can be expecting from the guys that came over in that James Shields trade. So we'll have him dial in a little bit later on. But first, all right, here it is. We got it all set up. So yesterday, oh, okay. it was Padres Bitmoji Day we here at the park. need to loosen up a little bit, Bill, for the... Get, get, I, get. I see Bill getting like the little fighters like down the down the walkway, getting ready for for this this battle here. So it's Padres Bitmoji Day, and they had Bitmoji for all the players, both Rockies and Padres, in the park yesterday. Right. They also Thomas Higdon that did that for the Padres did him for us here on Social Hour. We all had some. Randy had one. Chris Ello had one. I got mine. And a reminder why I'm not good at numbers. I'm the spelling bee champ. We've established right. that. So I do words and letters. You've established Not numbers. That. Well, it's in Bitmoji now, so it's, it's established for everyone. That's official. It's official. Right. So now yeah. this, was the this was the Bitmoji that Blooper had made for him. It's Bloop in his Buffalo Bills t-shirt. He's excited. He's got his glasses, his beard, and his ice cream sundae, incorrectly spelled, as we established earlier in the week on the show. And he, I mean, it was great. We all loved it. It's got his, even his tattoos there on his arm. It was, we thought it was perfect. And a little bit later on during the game, Bill here tweets this out. He has Seth's tweet, and he replies to it saying, needs more quote-unquote substance. And in case that was uh, too subtle, dot, 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 body fat. Yeah. Boom. That's a body shot. That's right. crushing. Oof. Yeah. But Blooper. Like, how did you? The emoji I was sitting was there smelt. next to him, and he was crushed. Oh, and yeah. not, not a Teddy Lightner home run good crush. And it would, it be, hard, and it would be hard to crush that because it's... <laughs> oh, wow. You want to take that here live? It's messed up, Bill. I thought we were boys. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently not. So some of, actually, some of Blooper's boys came to his defense on Twitter. I was surprised to find out he has five or six friends. Well, we only have two here, so right. maybe that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Uh, Daniel Austin saying, damn, Bill, ruthless. Uh, and then uh, his buddy Tony Fisher saying, Bill, 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 as I imagine him just shaking his head. Listen, I am an expert on body fat. Got a lot of it. <laughs> I packed some pounds. And when I saw that emoji of, of uh, blooper with that, that svelte body with the ch chiseled uh, down towards the waist, it was like, that's no, that's no blooper that I know. Wow. We, we Your both, response? We both have a lot less body fat than we did. Oh, Season a couple of years one. ago, right. Yeah, we're both. So but you look like, the, and I don't know a lot about these, so that I could be totally wrong, but those Wolkies, or is that what they call them? The what? Wolkies, or... Wolkies from Star Wars? Yeah. You're calling Blooper a Wookiee now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this gets worse wow. and worse for you, man. This is brutal. Wow. That's, man. That would have been my emoji. Derek, don't. you wore a white shirt today. All the blood from the carnage is going to be all over you soon. I'm this staying the heck out of this one. <laughs> you all have fun on this segment. Man. Let, let me know when Merkin calls in. Ruthless. Man. Fire back, Bloober. I'm going to have to have Tom make a Bill Center yeah, emoji. My, that will happen. That's my advice to you, Blooper, is have a Bill Center emo bitmoji when made When you're on the show ASAP. on Wednesday, there will be a Bill Center bitmoji. Be well, ready. There's already, I saw one yesterday. Somebody sent me one of the... Um, that uh, the grumpy guy in the in the movie with the balloons floating from up, up, yeah, right. yeah. That, that, he, he had an emoji looking, and I thought that was pretty good, except I wasn't wearing my reading glasses. So, well, we can work on that. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's uh, Bill versus Blooper, and we'll see if Blooper now has the, the next salvo after your first uh, shot across the bow. I thought here. we were best friends. Not, not <laughs> evidently, not anymore. Hey, uh, listen, no one thing. If I didn't like you. I wouldn't be talking to you, so that's the whole thing. Isn't it kind of part of your job now to yeah. have to talk to me? 
No, no, no. I, I talk to you because I like you. If I didn't talk, if I didn't like you, I wouldn't talk to you. Is that why you ignore me when we're in the dugout? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once we're off the couch, <laughs> Bill, just that. Uh, then you know who is real friends. Tunnel friend, vision. Right? Exactly. Mike, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. I mean, sometimes you talk to me, sometimes you don't. I know where I stand with you on that particular day, about whether I hear from you or not. Um, we did mention. And whether there's a WWE tweet come up. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's going to be, I mean. We'll talk off the air. It's going to be a long summer for you, for us, for this relationship, unfortunately. Um, mentioned briefly uh, the Muhammad Ali, not to switch subjects and get to a bit more of a serious matter. Uh, yesterday we talked about it uh, at length, and I just wanted to get both of your guys' stories quickly on him because, Bill, you actually covered some of his fights, Last and Derek, right, you got to meet him. I didn't cover – I will say this. I covered fights that he was involved in, but I didn't cover fights when he was at his prime – and I don't, because of that, I felt like I never covered the real Ali. But still, as, so, as someone who appreciated the sport oh. and was a follower of it right. in his prime, right. that had to be crazy growing up in that time. Oh, it was, I mean, he was a, a dynamic athlete who not only changed his sport, he did an awful lot like Jackie Robinson to change, uh, to change society at that time. He went, he transcended boxing. Uh, he was... Transcended sports, period. Right. I mean, he was... And for most of... We look back on Ali now, and everybody sort of uh, admires and adores him. At the time that he was in his prime, he split this company country 50-50. There was half loved him and half hated him. And there was no in-between. Yeah, can you imagine if, if, if Ali came out today with social media, it would be a oh, hundred times as, as, more, it, as polarizing. It would, it would be amazing. I mean, if one, he'd probably have whatever the record is for Twitter people following. He'd have more followers mm -hmm. than anybody else. And the range of things. I can remember like when he avoided the draft and went to prison. Uh, I mean, just the number of people who absolutely thought he was the grossest un-American person who ever lived. But he was also a dynamic civil rights leader, too. I mean, it was, you had to live the time to really experience the entire Ali aura. But as an mm -hmm. athlete, as a fighter, he was amazing. Unparalleled, yeah. Uh, he, he could walk incredible. down the, the street today and still be the most recognizable athlete Right. On the planet. People, uh, people just wanted to meet him. Yeah. I mean, even after his, I mean, 20, 30 years after his career ended, people, whenever they saw him, wanted to have their picture taken with And him. he would do it. He was Ali. Right. Yeah. He would do, would do it. Right. Uh, quickly, Derek, you actually did get to meet him. That's a pretty good story. It, right. And it was, I, I remember every frame of that encounter. I was working in Phoenix at the time. There was a celebrity boxing tournament for Parkinson's research. And it's where they get the guys with the big oversized gloves in the ring. And, right. and a really great event. He comes down the red carpet, and I'm doing interviews with people, you know, Tony Hawk and Emma Smith and all these guys. And here comes Ali. And I see, I just got goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, I start babbling like an idiot because, and I'd read the books and seen the videos. I say, oh, champion, it's such an honor. I just, and he just touches my arm and says, son, are you going to ask me a question or are you going to tell me how great I am? That's Because I already know. <laughs> and, it was, and just in that moment, I was That's like, awesome. this is the most amazing human being I've ever come in contact with. And it just, I remember that and I will never forget that. And I can say, I'll be able to tell my kids, I met one of the most amazing human beings who ever was. You know, and as a fighter, here's a, here's a person, I mean, as a fighter, he could outbox and out-punch most people. If the other guy happened to be stronger, 
he would switch tactics and be the greatest defensive fighter and you couldn't hit him. And he, at other times, he just outsmarted people. He outsmarted George Foreman, outsmarted Frazier in the second fight. I mean, he was, he was an amazing student of his sport. Probably one of the smartest, you know, you, you talk about baseball players knowing their sport. Ali knew everything there was to know about how to be a fighter. And he was built and born to be a oh, fighter yeah. too. Because before he went to to, to prison and, and had and lost all of his lost his, his licenses and he, and he couldn't fight anymore, you couldn't hit him. So people thought, oh, he's soft. He couldn't take a punch. And then he comes back and you find out the man's jaw is made of stone. Right. Nobody can knock him down. Everything we've said about him, and again, missing three and a half years of his athletic right. physical prime, uh, incredible. But he was only knocked down four times yeah, in his career. It just tells him in the ring only first. tells the beginning. Who was, who was first? Who was, was, it, first? was it Norton? No, no, no. Brian London in uh, one of his first pro fights. Brian London knocked him down early, and he and uh, it, it was incredible that it was a flash punch, and Alley went down, and when he got up, it was like a totally different Ali. I mean, sometimes you just got to get woken yeah. up them, a little one bit. One of them was yeah. Chuck Webner, right. and that fight, that moment, became right. the genesis for Rocky. Rocky, Balboa. indeed. Yeah. yeah. No, uh, Muhammad Ali definitely will be missed. Uh, we're going to move along when we come back and talk about uh, the James Shields trade from yesterday. And again, we got Scott Merkin coming along on the line as well. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Zombies are descending on Petco Park for Zombie Day on Tuesday. That's June 7th. Purchase a special theme game ticket package to catch the game against the Braves at 710 and get a limited edition Padres-themed zombie bobblehead. We've been featuring him here on our little nightstand all week long. Make sure to get your tickets at Padres.com slash theme games. We'll get to that big trade, the first big one of the season for the Padres. And now that the dust has settled, see where we stand on it. Don't go far. You're watching Padres Social Hour. You want to talk Padres? Lucky for you, we're doing exactly that. This is Padres Social Hour from the AMR studio inside Petco Park. Welcome back here to Petco Park. 6-10 first pitch, Luis Perdomo and John Gray as the Padres look for their first Sunday win of the season. And joining us now, we have uh, calling in, it's Scott Merkin. He's the beat writer from MLB.com for the Chicago White Sox. In case you didn't hear, if you were on vacation living under a rock somewhere, uh, Padres had a little trade yesterday. My microphone is trying to escape my face here. Uh, James Shields heading over to the White Sox for Eric Johnson and Fernando Tatis Jr. So we want to talk to Scott about it. Scott, you with us? I am. I can hear you guys. How are you doing? Excellent. Uh, thanks for calling in. We really appreciate the time. No problem. So, uh, I guess first thing we want to know here is, I mean, what did the Padres get? And let's start with uh, Eric Johnson, who we will most likely see, actually, uh, in the Padres' starting rotation on their next road trip at Colorado. Uh, tell us, what do you know about him? Well, I, I, I will say up front that I think, you know, the Padres did not get, you know, probably one of the top three or four elite prospects with them. But they got a guy in Eric Johnson who could end up being a very good starter, especially in the National League there. You know, it was just about 2013. But he was one of the prospects for the White Sox. We've got you breaking up a little bit there, Scott. Uh, can you can you go back through that again? We had you. We lost you there for a second. All right. Can you hear me again? Yeah, we've got you now. Okay. Yes. I mean, I was just saying that he's good, but one of the top prospects for the Sox. Yeah, Scott, we're losing you again, so we're going to have to try and uh, work this out uh, in here in a sec. But uh, real quickly, uh, while we have uh, you guys here and we try and get Scott's uh, line sorted out, what was your thoughts on the initial haul and the take? Because we talked about this at length yesterday. A lot of people have been going on it back and forth. You like it or not? Well, 
Well, I mean, the trade is a, a bit of a money dump. That's why it's made. Now, I like the fact that they got Eric Johnson in return because, uh, like we saw with Pomerantz, like we saw with Ross, like we saw with some pitchers in the, uh, in the, in the history of this franchise recently, Darren Balsley has done a pretty good job at uh, reconstructing pitchers. Eric Johnson has bounced around like Pomerantz and like Ross between the majors and the minors as a starter, and good slider curve, and his fastball has been extremely erratic. And it's going to be interesting to see for me to see what Ballsley does. You can see, add Chris Young to that, I think, too. Came over in that, right. uh, in that deal with the Rangers, turned him into an all-star. I like this Tatis kid. Because just because big league bloodlines tend to, to be a decent indicator of a kid who's going to be you know a, a decent ball player, and Andy Green talked uh, yesterday about uh, playing with his dad over in New York when they were there together briefly, and I looked at some of the video, and this kid, his leg kick looks like his dad. He's big, he's taller. He's six one, only a buck seventy five. A lot more slender. Yes, yeah. but he's going to seventeen years old. He's going to fill out that. He's body. actually a third generation Tatis. Yeah, right. uh, and his, a, isn't his grandfather Fernando Tatis as well? His, for, his grandfather is Fernando Tatis. Okay. <laughs> the father changed the name to Tatis. Tatis. Okay. And That's why this one's a junior, not a third. Right. But I, I don't know quite how that works out if you change the pronunciation. Yeah, adding the, the, adding the accent mark. Remember, the White Sox paid seven hundred grand to get this kid. That's that's not a small amount of money on the international market. So they liked him enough to give him that kind of money. This this kid could be intriguing. And it's someone. I mean, he's someone. And I put a poll up yesterday. Uh, are you happy with the James Shields trade? I made it very simple. Yes or no. A lot of people, blooper included, try to say, well, we won't know until a few years down the line. That's the point with any trade. You right. can always say, we'll wait. But it's a matter of do you like at least the gamble, the risk right now. Tatis, it's been amazing. I've been seeing some people say he's the next Manny Machado. He's got all this athleticism to build into. That's he's got that body time. Yesterday. He looks right. like Manny Machado. Other people he's say got he's a body never, like Manny Machado. Right. Other people say he'll never project. He's a fringe prospect. Right. He's 17. We have no idea. Right. But the bigger question is, do you like the trade in terms of getting rid of that money? The whole James Shields, will he opt out of his contract or not? Do you like taking a flyer on Eric Johnson? That's what you have to look at now in terms of whether you right. like this trade or not. I, I, like, I like dumping the money where they are right now, and I just have a feeling that the Padres saw something in Eric Johnson they like, and if it develops, then it's a really good trade. And if it doesn't develop, then it's not a great trade. The whole opt-out-of-your-contract thing, I have a hard time believing he was going to do that because he's going to be 35 years old. It is, as, as Blooper actually looked up, there is a bit of a weak starting pitching class. It's a bad class agents. this year. But yeah. you're talking about a 35-year-old guy. He's going to have $44 million guaranteed over the next two years if you include that buyout. Where else is he going to get $44 million guaranteed as a 35-year-old who, in the one start he had in an American League park, was going to get crushed, got right. crushed? Uh, well, that we won't know until the end of the season. But we have, I believe, Scott back on the line. Scott, do we got you? Yeah, you there? Excellent. Yeah. Uh, thanks for, uh, for dialing back in. Uh, so, sorry, we've been uh, talking about our perspective on what the Padres got back and Eric Johnson and Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, but you probably know more than us at this point. So uh, let's go back to where we left off. Eric Johnson, what can we expect? Well, it's hard to say that, you know, he, he wasn't considered one of the Sox's elite prospects now, but it was just a couple of years ago where he was ranked one of their top two or three. And actually, he broke, you know, camp in 2004 as probably the number two or three starter in the rotation and just had a really bad season in 14. Couldn't find the strike zone, got messed up mechanically. I think got to him a little bit, you know, pressure-wise. And to his credit, bought back last year, pitched great, was the International League Pitcher of the Year. 
made his presence felt at the end of the year with the White Sox. And I just think, you know, he has the ability and the makeup to be a good starting pitcher, especially in the National League. I just don't think it was going to happen at this point with the White Sox. What's uh, His fastball over the last couple of years has really been erratic. That It used to be 92-93, and now it's dropped off and it's filled up a little bit. Uh, we know he's got a slider and a curve. What's with his fastball? You know, it's interesting. People, we thought he might have been hurt in 14 because the velocity was down and he was having a terrible time locating it, but it was just mechanics. Mechanics got messed up, and I think there probably was a little bit of crisis of confidence in that year, too, because here's a guy who had been successful wherever he had gone and he had risen up the ranks to break camp as part of the rotation and just had, you know, an awful run of it. But like I said, he kind of rebuilt himself last year. You know, his fastball didn't have probably quite the movement this year in the couple starts that we saw him with the White Sox, but I, I think he's still got the capabilities to be a solid kind of middle of the rotation guy for the Padres. Scott, we don't see 17-year-olds traded all that often. Uh, what, did, what did the White Sox see in this guy? I know they gave up 700000 bucks in the international market to get him as an amateur free agent. What did they see in this guy, and why did the Padres uh, go after him, and why did the White Sox let him go? It could be such an intriguing guy. Well, here's the thing, as you guys probably know, with international league, internet, not international, I'm sorry, international signings, is that it's a little unfair to them because there's this huge money tag that's put with them. You know, what was it, 700000 for Tatis? And they're really not going to be ready for four or five years. You know, you're talking 17, 16-year-olds in some cases. So, you know, they, they like his ability. I heard good things about him from, you know, Arizona Extended Spring down there. But the bottom line is I think the Sox are willing to move him because of the fact they have a guy like Tim Anderson who's much further along and getting close to being major league ready. And, you know, while Tatis has got a ton of talent, you're just not sure what you're going to get in those kind of prospects. You hope that they turn out and are – you know, worth the time you put in, and, and he very well may be, he may be an all-star for years to come, but it's just, there's such raw talent right now, you can part with it and take a chance. All right, uh, we're with Scott Merkin, the MLB.com beat writer for the Chicago White Sox, uh, getting that side of the deal's perspective uh, in the James Shields trade. Uh, Scott, we've been talking yesterday and today about whether the Padres could have gotten more, gotten less, if this was a good, fair deal. From the White Sox perspective, do you think they're seeing this as they got the better of the deal, that maybe they had to concede a little bit, or that it was pretty fair for both sides, especially when you start thinking about the money that's involved? Yeah, you know, I know in covering Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams for a, a lot of years that these guys aren't looking to go out and fleece anyone because, you know, they like to make moves. They like to make a lot of deals. And if you, if, if you get a, you know, a bad deal on the way, that kind of rules out maybe an option for future deals. I, I think both sides got what they wanted. I, I know I had heard that San Diego probably asked for some higher prospects at the beginning, but the Sox are in that weird combination of rebuilding while trying to contend. So they, they weren't going to give up Tim Anderson. They weren't going to give up Carson Fulmer. They weren't going to give up Spencer Adams who are their top three prospects. And, you know, the Sox got some monetary relief, which helped, and they got a guy who's going to be a solid middle-of-the-order starter for what they hope is a contending team all year, a guy who is, you know, nine straight seasons, done at least 200 innings, 30 starts, and double-digit wins. And, you know, they sat on the conference call yesterday, Rick Hahn talked about not needing him to be the ace of the staff, just needing him to kind of fit in and just help take some pressure off the bullpen and the rest of the rotation. He will give you innings. There's no question about that. I mean... This is somebody in the, Shields is somebody in the middle of the rotation that will give you 200 innings, and not a lot of teams have that. Yeah, I, I think people are paying for that now. I mean, you saw a great example in Mark Burley. You know, Mark Burley, by the time he was, we think, done last year, was throwing, what, 82, 83 miles an hour, but he could locate. He knew how to pitch. He worked with the rhythm, you know, and, and he got guys out. And people are paying for that. that it makes sense because you need – those kind of pitchers too. Yeah, I mean, he's not the guy that he was probably when he was in his prime at Tampa, but 
he's still a capable pitcher who, like you said, will will help you know strengthen the bullpen just by cutting some innings out of their workload overall. Yeah. All right, Scott Merkin, thank you very much for taking the time and giving us a bit of a perspective from that side of things. And, uh, yeah, say hi to James for us, and uh, we'll hopefully uh, both sides will have uh, something good to take from this trade down the road. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, guys. All right, that's Scott Merkin from MLB.com, Chicago White Sox beat writer, uh, letting us know that side's uh, look at things. And uh, very interesting. We can break that down a little bit more when we come back. Before that, make sure to remember you can now enjoy America's favorite pastime with your pooch by your side in a new backyard-inspired setting at Petco Park. The Barkyard, presented by Petco, features six semi-private dog-friendly viewing areas in left center field. Each area accommodates up to four people and two dogs. Pricing starts at $100 for each viewing area. For more info and tickets, visit Padres.com Barkyard. When we come back, we'll uh, talk a little bit more about what we just heard and maybe if this is the first of many dominoes still to fall. Don't go far. This is Padres Social Hour. From analysis of what's happening on the field with your Padres to insights on everything MLB, we've got it right here. This is Padres Social Hour. Welcome back here to Padres Social Hour. So we just had uh, Scott Merkin from MLB.com uh, call in. And, uh, yeah, they know, what, they know what they're getting. And you're right. getting shields for a very affordable price with the Padres picking up more than half the price tag. We won't know the extent of the success of this deal for the Padres until down the road. But at a time like now when shields will not be in the long-term plans for the building the, you know, that the, the front office keeps saying they're, they're trying to do, I think uh, for now it's as good of a deal as you're going to get. If, the market, if that's all the market gives you, then you take it. Plus the Padres now are hoping that he takes the opt-out. Right, and that way they're off the hook financially. $22 million are off the hook. Yeah, that would make a big difference. Uh, and, e- even you know, if he the doesn't, way, they're still the saving the, half, almost half the money. Right, and the, and the way that he, the way that free agents went last year, and this is, uh, this is a weak free agent pitching market. I mean, Andrew Cashner right now is the top free agent pitcher out there that you don't know what might happen next year. Kennedy got an awful lot of money. Yeah, but he's so much younger. I'm with Derek on this. He's so much younger yeah. than Shields. I think for a, a guy in his mid-30s to start testing the waters again, right? Well, I don't know about that. The, the thing is, like, say he has a great second half and he wins seven or eight or nine games, and, and teams see a resurgence. But what, 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 what if he I does that based it. on that White Sox offense, which is a heck of a lot more potent than the Padres offense? Right. He does it with a four-and-a-half, four-seven-five ERA at the U.S. Cellular. Then is he still going to get that kind of, of money? You, you never know. You never know how people think. I mean, I just look at what happened with Ian Desmond this past offseason. Turns right. down $100 million a year before. He's a right. shortstop, free agent. It's going to be great. Has a rough season. No one wants him for even more than a position year. Position right. player, not a pitcher. Right. Different. That's a fair argument, but I still think even with the weak position or pitching class coming up this offseason, I don't think Shields, because of his age, that's the biggest thing to me. But he's, he's not going to pitch 200 innings forever. But he knows what that offer is going to be before. Desmond turned it down during the middle of the season and then didn't do very well. Shields is going to be in position to be at the end of the season to turn it down where everybody's going to be talking. If everybody's talking about, wow, all of a sudden, you know, he might make more money. He's going to know whether or not opting out is a good thing. I don't move. see it happening. We should make some kind of a wager, a gentleman's wager, where I have to do something silly if I'm wrong, and then you can do something like that. Thousand come bucks? Back. <laughs> That's silly with my, with my bank account. That uh, donuts. We'll work on the donuts. Right, I'll put you guys now on the uh, Cholula hot seat uh, to see what may be happening next. And we got a tweet that just came in uh, here during the last break from uh, No Nonsense uh, from Ed. 
He says that it seems our hottest AAA guys are all outfielders. Which MLB player most likely to go first to make room? Interested to see if any will stick. So that's what I'm going to ask you guys now. This last week, the right. offense finally is waking up. You've got, I had the stats here. I mean, between Norris and Kemp and Jay, and all these guys are finally that were maybe trade chips earlier in the year getting a little bit of value. So do you see anyone in particular potentially being moved first? Do you see this resurgence as helping the Padres compete? Do you see it as simply them adding to their trade value and we're fattening up the goose? How are you looking at this recent uh, trend with well, the Well, I'm thinking right now that the highest in trade value in my order, my pecking order, would be uh, Jay, then Kashner, then Rodney, in terms of guys that you can move right now. Wow, so not even Camp or Norris. You're not, not even on your top three of movability. No, because right now I don't think you can move them. But I, Jay is way up there. How, now, about, how about you, Derek? I agree top with three John trade Jay chips. 100%. If you're talking about who, who, who would the Padres like to move, it would be Kemp, it would be Upton, right. and then it would be probably Cashner. Who would, they, who would they like to get rid of? Who are they most likely to get rid of? John Jay is most certainly at the top of that list. And then I think somebody's going to look at Cashner's stuff and say, yeah, they got Cashner. And then I think you know, Rod, Rodney or Bookter. Ah, interesting. Yeah, Jay, I mean, 14 hits the last week. He's batting 425. That Veteran thing. guy, yeah. good defender. You know, and last good, year of his contract. Guy too, Only yeah. two so leadoff we'll hitters in the National League have been on base more than John Jay. Yeah, so uh, may he, that's, that's the one, Ed. That's who's going out next, uh, according to these guys. Uh, keep an eye on that. Uncap real flavor with Cholula hot sauce. The hot sauce with the iconic wooden cap and the official hot sauce of the San Diego Padres. We come back, we're going to take a look at tonight's lineup. We've already had Bill versus Blooper tonight. Now it'll be Derek versus Blooper. You don't want to miss it. This <laughs> is Padres Social Hour. We're talking Padres all season long. This is Padres Social Hour, coming to you from the AMR studio inside the team store. All right, let's get you set for that first pitch coming your way in less than an hour's time, and we'll do it with the starting lineup presented by United Airlines, proud partner of the San Diego Padres. A couple changes today. You've got John Jay in center field, nothing different there. Will Myers at first base, then it's Matt Kemp in right, Brett Wallace at third base, Derek Norris catching, Alexei Ramirez at short, then the bottom of the order mixes up a bit, Alexi Amarista at second base, Travis Jankowski in left, and Luis Perdomo getting the start. Takes us now to the Supercuts head-to-head challenge, and yesterday, Blooper with a chance to take Will Myers for the fourth straight day passed on that chance and Will fell a triple short of the cycle <laughs> in going three for four. So the point goes to the couch and Blooper's lead is now down to single digits again, 28 to 19. Tonight's first pick goes to you, Derek. Who do you got? Derek Norris. Tends to be a little bit streaky. Hit a home run yesterday. I like Derek Norris behind the plate. Streaking in the right direction uh, the right. last week or so. That's a good pick. Blooper. Are you going to go back to the Will Myers train? I uh, see it in your 100%, eye. Yeah, I knew it. 100% going back to my guy, Will Myers. <laughs> and, of course, Myers will go 0 for yeah, 5 with four strikeouts today with the blooper jinx. Exactly. All right, so it's uh, <laughs> Norris versus Myers in the Supercuts head-to-head challenge tonight. At Supercuts, they pay attention to every detail. The cut, the lines, the hot towel finish so you can feel sharp, clean, and ready to go. Find a Supercuts near you at supercuts.com. It's a marathon Sunday. We're heading to the finish line on this edition of Padres Social Hour. Get ready for every Padres game with us. Coming to you from inside the team store at Petco Park, this is Padres Social Hour. Finishing things up here on this Sunday evening social hour, and we mentioned at the top of the show it's a Sunday evening game and social hour because of the marathon today. I've never had any desire to run a marathon. To be honest with you, Derek, you have so, yes. and Bill, you've never done a, one of these marathons that's no. been exploding all over the country uh, year, the last couple of years. 
What's the appeal, Derek? Because I don't see it. Why would I want to run and have my, my nipples bleed and I'm thirsting and I'm out there with thousands of people? That doesn't and sound appealing to you? Not much? at all. And I've got to train for months and months. I, I don't get it. No, it was, it's a bucket list. It, for me, it was a bucket list thing. I, wanted, I, was, I was, enjoyed running. I did you know, 10Ks and halves and said, finally, if I'm going to do this, I might as well just go ahead and do the, do the big one. So I ran it and did it once. I wanted to beat Will Ferrell's best time. I beat Will Ferrell's best time. Never ran another one. I, I mean, like, I run frequently working out just on the treadmill, whatever, as part of my exercise routine. Never once have I thought, you know what, I want to do 26.2. No. Never. Just not, no appeal for me. Nipples bleed? Yeah, you ever see, tell me, right, Derek? When you marathon, guys like guys chafe, the nipples chafe, right? You see bleeding. I didn't on the do the, all the, the time. professionals do that. I, I was not anywhere. No, I'm, I'm yeah. not doing any of that nonsense. You learn some things, Blooper. That you need to be explained to me. I was completely, yeah. completely threw me off my game. Watch some television <laughs> once in a while. Uh, this this happens at that level. Uh, one last very quick question coming in on Twitter from Kyle Williams: Do you think the Padres will trade Myers? Will Myers? We were talking about no. that. No. He's no, a I piece think, you hold no, on he, to, right? he's, he's one of the guys you build around. Yeah, I think... I think Pomerantz, Myers, there are a couple others that you build around. Yeah, but those are your two, I think, cornerstones. I right. agree with you there. Just for uh, the contract. For Myers, he's controllable for too long. And he's young, 25, and he's hitting tremendously. We're finally seeing some of that potential if he can stay healthy all season. Tomorrow, we're back at 5.30 with Bob Scanlon, Jordan Carruth, and is this right? Mookie is coming? Bloopers, dog? I can't He'll wait to here. see. He, wow, confirmed. That'll be great. We'll see you then. Thanks for watching Social Hour.